Welcome to On the Edge with Rob and Kelly. I'm Rob Driscoll. Which makes me Kelly Ryan. So we're heading into fall, which usually makes me sad, what with the end of summer. But not sad since we've started the Business Edge annual road trip to the Toronto International Film Festival. This year, we scored an interview with the CEO of TIFF, Cameron Bailey. He has worked with the festival since the 1990s and took over the head role in 2021. Right in the middle of a pandemic. Not an easy time to be running a massively public event. But he and his team powered through and they're ready to do it again with a whole new set of challenges this time. Being the business types that we are, we started our conversation with Cameron Bailey by asking him about the business of film festival. Well, we last did an economic impact study several years ago, almost a decade ago. We're due for another one. And at that time, our economic impact in Toronto was measured at about $200 million annually. So it's a significant impact. That's not just the money that's spent attending the festival by our audience. And our audience is roughly about 270,000 attendees every year, plus all the people who attend uh, free events. But it's also all the ancillary things. It's the hotels that are full. It's the taxis and the Ubers and various forms of transportation people use in the city. The restaurants are more full, the clubs. There are lots of things that people do when they attend a festival. They shop, all of those things are part of that. So it's a significant part of the city in terms of just the financial impact. But beyond that, certainly what I've heard when I travel, and I've heard this from others as well, Toronto is known for a few things. People know our colleges and universities. They know the Raptors. They know the Leafs. And they know TIFF. And that's a part of the brand of the city and the value that I think we bring as well. Now, we have seen that TIFF is, in some respects, the largest film festival in the world. By what measurement would it, would it be number one? Public audience is the, the first measure that we use. There are many festivals that are primarily industry events or media events, and they've got large numbers of industry professionals who attend every year. We have that, but we also have the largest public audience, but I think also one of the most devoted and passionate film audiences in the world as well. Filmmakers and the big film companies, whether those are Hollywood studios or big companies coming out of Europe or Asia or other parts of the world, they know that when you bring a film to our festival, you're not just launching it for media. You're not just here to buy or sell movies, although that happens too. But the audience is what really brings these films to life. And that's why filmmakers make films, ultimately. So getting that audience reaction from the Toronto audience and the the possibility of winning the People's Choice Award here are what make it, at least by some measures, the top festival in the world. How far-reaching is the economic impact? Not just, I mean that by not in the city of Toronto alone, but does it spread across Canada in terms of movie investment? I think it does. I would take just one perspective on that. There are many. But if you take just the perspective of looking at film production and television production, the screen industries in Canada broadly beyond Toronto are affected by a number of different things. Of course, the Canadian dollar against the U.S. dollar matters. The availability of top-notch film crews who can be involved in the production of series and, and films matters a lot. But so does the idea, the brand of a city like Toronto, Vancouver also, and a place like Canada in terms of attracting uh, productions largely from Hollywood, but from around the world as well. And the fact that 
the entire film industry at some point comes to Toronto every September for our festival, gets to know people here, gets to know the quality of uh, the film industry here, gets comfortable with the city, helps, I think, when they're making a decision about are they going to shoot a movie here? Are they going to come here for several months to shoot a TV series? Well, if they've been to Toronto many times, they have their favorite hotel, they have their favorite restaurant, they have friends and colleagues here already, that's going to help them make that decision in our favor. And so that is something that extends well beyond the city and certainly well beyond September as well. You see the uh, festival being affected by the current labor problems that we're seeing in the industry. Yeah, I think we're going through an evolution in the industry. There have been many. Often it's a combination of technology, business reality, audience behavior that comes together to, to make change. Every decade or so, there's a new change. And right now, uh, I think we're seeing the impact, the longer term impact of a shift in how films are made, how uh, the business around those productions happen because of the rise of streaming companies, because of changes in technology and changes in audience behavior, people viewing more at home. All of those things have led to this particular labor dispute, which needs to be resolved, and we hope it's resolved successfully soon. But I think uh, both writers and actors are looking for what they would see as a fairer division of revenues that come out of those those industries. Uh, and then also there's the, the technological part with artificial intelligence and how that will affect the screen industries as well. What it does for a festival like ours is we have to take a close look at what that means in terms of who will come to the festival, how business will be done, that kind of thing. You know, what I'm hearing is that the strike could be short, medium length or long, depending on a number of different factors. It could well end before our festival happens in September. But if it's continuing, then we're aware that we will still have the films at the festival. We will still have lots of stars on the red carpet because the strike affects only a portion of the industry. Those films that are held by the large American studios and streaming companies there are many films that fall outside of that, that they're independent films and they can participate in a different way. They, uh, If they have SAG after actors in them, they need to just apply for what's called an interim agreement, but that's certainly possible to allow them to continue. So there are the independent films, the international films, the Canadian films and series that are not uh, governed by the terms of the labor action. And so that will still be a big part of our festival. We faced different challenges in the past, and we've just come off the, the COVID festivals of 2020 and 2021. We're used to dealing with things that are well beyond our control, but that we have to respond to, and we're doing the same this time out too. Yeah, it's been a very interesting nearly two years for you at, as the CEO. Um, I, I imagine, you, well, you couldn't have expected to have all these big problems, but uh, how has the personal journey been for you as a former programmer and film critic and and now being uh, the CEO of the largest film festival in the world? It's been incredibly rewarding and inspiring to work with the incredible team that we have at TIFF, the staff and the volunteers to put on this event every year that so many people look forward to. Between what happens in cinemas and out on Festival Street, we've got over 600,000 attendees participating every year and people build their vacations around it. Uh, students will start their school year by, you know, just binging on festival films. So that's an important thing to us in addition to everything we do all year round. And that's what has always inspired me the most. This is my 26th festival working with TIFF in one capacity or the other. 
And now that I'm in this position, I'm, I feel privileged to be uh, a part of it and to be leading the team as we as we bring this event to the city of Toronto and to the world. Wouldn't it be nice to have an easy year, though? <laughs> you know, it's always something. And uh, there is a great showbiz tradition of the show must go on and things will come, things will go. There will always be challenges. But the passion that goes into bringing these movies to audiences, the excitement that people have when they're in a lineup and they get to share something they've already seen with someone who hasn't seen it and, and, and tell them, you have to see this movie. I just saw this incredible film from, could be from anywhere in the world. That's why we do it. And whether it comes without new complications or with a whole lot of them, we will keep the show going. We had the privilege of doing a podcast with Anthony Shim last year, and he had great success with his film, Rice Boy Sleeps. And just wondering your thoughts on the state of the Canadian filmmaking industry and, and if there are other up-and-comers that we should know about. There's never been a more exciting time to be watching Canadian films and to be a part of the Canadian screen industry. There are are exciting filmmakers like Anthony Shim with Rice Boy Sleeps, obviously people from maybe the previous generation like Clement Virgo and Nina Shum and so many others who've been making great work. There are multiple generations of filmmakers maybe who started in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, and who, who are just starting now, who are telling stories that are unique to who we are. And there's something special that you get when you take in a story that resonates with you because it's familiar to you. It's, it comes from a place that you know well. Maybe it reflects something of your own experience. We just saw a film called Blackberry by Matt Johnson, who is another great Canadian filmmaker, young filmmaker. And this is the story that most Canadians do know, the story of the rise and fall of Blackberry. And the way that he tells it, it's set in Waterloo, Ontario, and it is funny and it's a great reflection of these big global stories that begin in Canada. And many Canadian filmmakers are telling similar stories right now. And what we like to do is to, to find this talent, whether they are directors, actors, screenwriters, and present them to our audience and say, these aren't just Canadian movies. These are great films that we think you need to see. But you may find something that's even more powerful from watching them because you know the story, you, you feel it in your bones. It comes from where we are. And as entertaining as Hollywood movies can be or movies from other big commercial industries around the world, there's something special, I think, about homegrown stories. So we're, we're always honored to do that. You've been quoted as saying uh, your mission is to change the way people see the world through film. Can you extrapolate on that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, our mission is to transform the way people see the world through film. It has been for many years. That what, that's what guides us. That's how we make our strategy. That's, that's how we make decisions in terms of what we will do or won't do. Is it transformative? Are we continuing to bring those transformative experiences to people? And that's because we believe that art has the power to change the way we see the world, to make us see things in a different way, see other people in a different way, connect with other people, become more empathetic through understanding how different parts of the world or different people outside of our own circles might, might be, might live their lives. And we think that cinema has a, a special power there. I think all art forms can do that, music and literature and theater and you know visual art, anything can do that. 
Film does it in a special way because it's such an immersive, emotional medium. When a film is working its magic on you, you kind of have to just give into it. You know, it's the big screen, the immersive sound, the power of performance, the power of a close up or a scene that just fills you with emotion. It's not simply an intellectual process. It happens in your brain only. It's in your heart as well. And through that, you can understand more about the world and more about yourself. Last year, we opened our festival with a film called The Swimmers, about a a pair of sisters from Syria who were forced to flee Syria because of the war, became refugees in Europe, and then went on to become Olympic athletes. They were already competitive swimmers, but they have this remarkable journey. True story. This was a fictionalized version of that true story. It was our opening night film. And I heard from so many people who were incredibly moved by watching that story. They knew about it from reading the news, watching the news, but to see it on film was more powerful and it helped change the way they saw refugees. And of course, we have refugees living in Canada all across the country to watch a film that illuminates their stories and just gives it a deeper impact is a very powerful thing. And that's why we do what we do. Right. And uh, diversity has always been a big part of the festival since I started paying attention. And how are we doing in the film industry in terms of making sure that everybody has the right to succeed? You know, we're, we're making progress. Film is like any other sector. Uh, what we're trying to do is to have as level a field of opportunity as possible. So as much as we can do to help provide equal opportunities, and that could be equal opportunities to have access to the kind of film that we present and the experiences we present. It can be equal opportunities for young creators to be able to get a camera in their own hands and tell their own stories. So equal opportunities across the board is one of our goals, but also I think reflecting the community that we're a part of. You know, we we are a part of the city of Toronto. Toronto is a city where every other person was born outside of Canada. Half of the population of the city has roots in other countries, uh, direct roots. And most of us, by far the majority, have family roots somewhere else. And that kind of mix of experiences needs to be reflected. And that's what we draw on as well to make sure that we're we're relevant and, and resonating with the community. So that's our approach to diversity, just in terms of the cultural background. We're also looking more at making the festival and tip a light box and everything we do more accessible to people who are living with disabilities. And that's a big part of um, accessibility and diversity and inclusion for us as well. So it takes many forms, um, all of the many different identities that we each bring to our daily life. That's something that we want to make sure everyone feels comfortable with and feels are included when they come to TIFF. What's your favorite moment from TIFF in the last, say, TIFF 2022? Ooh, that's a tough one. So listen, I'll, I'll say one thing. I came to Canada as an immigrant, having never watched a movie in a movie theater uh, before I was eight years old. The first movies I remember seeing that stayed with me were by Steven Spielberg. I saw Jaws early on. I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I went to see that movie five times. It struck me so much. I didn't even know why. Later that I studied movies, and last year, the 2022 festival, I had the opportunity to walk on stage and to present the world premiere of the new film by Steven Spielberg, The Fablements. And that was a big moment. I'm not going to lie. His films meant a lot to me. They really meant a lot to millions of people around the world. And this was his own personal story. 
And he chose to bring it to Toronto to share it with our audience because of our audience. And that was a testament to all the work that we've tried to do over many years to make it an audience-friendly festival where a filmmaker like Spielberg chooses to to launch his new film here. So that was one of the big moments. There are there are a number, but that that really stays with me. Beautiful. I'd say that's so to be. And now back to your personal journey. As a first generation black immigrant, have have you found, and obviously you've had great success, did you have to break through some some barriers or can you just explain how it has gone for you in, in those respects? I think that the important thing now is I came when I was a child and I'm certainly not a young person anymore, but, you know, there's still people going through the experience of exclusion in Canada and certainly in Toronto uh, for various reasons. I think it's important to know that there will be times when you're the only person who is like you in the room, right? That's certainly been my experience in the past. There have been times when you will be prejudged because of what people think they know about you based on various attributes you may have. Rates is only one of them. And you have to find ways to get past that. You have to find ways to confront it when it's happening, when you feel like it's not fair at all. And I think most importantly, what I've learned is that you have to find ways to remain true to yourself, to express yourself authentically, to to occupy the space that belongs to you, to not make yourself small necessarily, but to really live in your identity, whatever that might be, and and present that and and recognize that as a plus. It's not something that you need to shrink to kind of fit in, but you need to actually be yourself and your full self. And that's actually the value that you're bringing to whatever you do. That's really been, been what I've learned over the years and what I try to communicate to younger people who are maybe beginning going through that same journey. I know you'll have to wrap this up soon. I just wanted to ask you where you'll be during this year's festival. During this year's festival, I'll be everywhere. Uh, I am uh, introducing films. I'm, I'm greeting filmmakers and actors who are in town. Uh, my colleagues from all over the world in the industry who fly into Toronto from 70 or 80 different countries. I'm spending time with the audience. I'm hosting Q&As. I'm just walking down Festival Street to get the feel of the vibe this year. I'm everywhere during the festival. And that's what I love about it. What's your favorite part of the job? Uh, okay. So, I mean, many things. I get to work with great people. I get to be up close with some of the most talented film artists in the world. But I think what it is, is, you know, every spring and summer, we spend a lot of time, hundreds of hours watching films and, and choosing from those to put the festival together. Every now and then you'll watch a film and you'll get this feeling in your gut, like a tingle, like, oh my God, this is amazing. And you hope it stays amazing for the duration of the film. And when it does and the lights go up, and you feel like I've really experienced something remarkable. And then you get to keep that as a secret for weeks, sometimes a, a couple of months until September. And you can then share that with hundreds of people, sometimes almost 2,000 people in, in one of our theaters. And you know that many of them will have the same feeling. And you, so you carry that with you and you wait. I can't, you just think I can't wait to unleash this experience on people and share something really remarkable with them. And that really is the best thing about it. Knowing that what you feel, you'll be able to expand and amplify in a much bigger way in, uh, in a few weeks' time. Share one secret with us. What's the uh, we go see that you haven't told people about yet? 
Well, I can't tell you anything about the lineup to come. So you got to wait for the announcements. But I can tell you that I am really excited about our opening night film. And I think our audience will be too once they hear the news. Wonderful. Well, we'll leave it on that. Uh, Thank you so much, Cameron, for uh, being part of this podcast. It's been a pleasure. Hope to see you in Toronto. Thank you both. Take care. Thank you. Of course, since we had that conversation, the lineup for the festival has been released. So we now know all the secrets. Thanks to Cameron Bailey for sharing his excitement with us about the whole festival. You can read the interview with Cameron online or in our print version. Just go to businessedgemedia.ca or look around local businesses where you live. We deliver to over 100,000 businesses coast to coast. And if you'd like to talk to us about advertising with Business Edge News Magazine, you can reach us at info at businessedgemedia.ca. That's it for us this week on The Edge. I'm Rob Driscoll. And I'm Kelly Ryan. Thanks for being out on The Edge with us again.